And I'm just going to read from uh, Matthew. Just give me one second. So the scripture reading is taken from uh, Luke 13, verse 10 to 17. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had the spirit of infirmity 18 years and who was bowed together and could, and could in no wise lift herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose, thy infirmity, and he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed her on Sabbath day, and said to the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord then answered him and said, Thy hypocrite, thou not one of uh, your ox or ass from the stall, and lead him away to watering, and not and, and ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abram, whom Satan has had bound these 18 years, be loosed from this bound on Sabbath day? And when he, said, when he had said these things, all the adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Um, can we bow down to pray? Um, before we start. And Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for uh, today. We thank you for the gifts of being able to communicate with your people about yourself. And Father, I just pray for the spirit of utterance, being able to deliver your word with clarity and also with boldness. And also that your word will come in power, God, such that, you know, the ones that are bound uh, will be liberated uh, through uh, today's message in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, good afternoon, church. Um, Diani shook my hand just now, and uh, he said to me, Fola, why is your hand so cold? And I said to him, it's because I have to preach. Um, so I think what I'll definitely want you guys to do, especially my friends in the, in the room, uh, is if you can just smile to me at all times, just to encourage me a bit more, okay? Um, but that's effectively it. And um, so the scripture that Andrew has just um, read to us is the scripture that I'll be speaking from. Uh, so that's Luke 13, uh, verses 10 to 17. Uh, but before I begin, I just want to say a big thank you um, to our senior minister. Normally he sits there, but I'll probably look at Pastor Aisha uh, because uh, she can act as a proxy. You know, I've been in this church now for 10 years. Um, I've been on staff for five of those 10 years. And a lot of the opportunities that I've had in terms of uh, pulpit ministry, when, in terms of ministering to people, um, has been on the back of, you know, his encouragement. So even though he's not physically here, uh, but I just wanted to say thank you. Potentially, he's watching online as well. Uh, just say thank you for that. Now, over the last um, month and a half or so, uh, we've been looking at impact uh, through um, spiritual, sorry, kingdom authority. Um, so the section of the word, um, excuse me. Um, so it's with, so with, within the word impact, there's the high, which stands for authority, and that's what I'll be speaking from. 
Um, and just as a quick recap of uh, what we've looked at so far, uh, one of the things Pastor Joe taught us at the very beginning uh, was the fact that you know God's kingdom uh, on earth uh, is present primarily in a spiritual form. Um, you know, as a community of believers, uh, we are part of this kingdom. And uh, we can exercise the privileges of being uh, a member of this kingdom. So, for example, a lot of us are citizens of the United Kingdom. And part of the benefits of being a citizen of the uh, United Kingdom is the fact that you can travel um, to other EU countries uh, without the need for a visa. Um, you can have access to social services. Uh, and there are some other benefits. And so, we, being a subject of God's kingdom, um, gives us access to some specific uh, privileges. Now, one of those privileges uh, is this thing called authority. Um, can somebody say authority? authority? Thank you very much. You guys are very participa good participants. Um, so one of the um, privileges of uh, being part of this kingdom is, you know, the word A, authority. And when I did the survey of the word authority uh, in the New Testament, um, a lot of the times, uh, authority was used in different contexts. So, for example, the Bible talks about how Jesus spoke with authority. Uh, in terms of, it was very different from the, like, like the Pharisees. So, they would just speak and nothing happened. Um, but when Jesus came to the sin, uh, the way he spoke had a different feel to it. And there's another scripture that talks about how when Jesus sent out his disciples um, to the community, um, he sent them with authority to be able to cast out demons or to cast out evil spirits. And that's the section of the word authority that I'm going to be focusing on. Uh, the section that deals with being able to expel evil spirits uh, from within ourselves or from within uh, people. Now, in preparing for this today's message, um, I stumbled into an article uh, that was published by the Vatican. Um, and they said um, that um, the number of people seeking exorcism, which is a different word of casting out demons, has increased. And so, for example, in Italy, there's almost about half a million people that have been reported that have been infected by some form of uh, spiritual, you know, some form of demon. Now, admittedly, in that article, one of the things that was said uh, was that the fact that not everyone was infected, well, not everyone is having issues because of, you know, a demon. Some of it could just be mental, some of it could just be spiritual, you know, but that's the sort of, you know, world in which we live in where, you know, there is the presence of demons or the spirit, presence of evil spirits that seem to cause avoc in people's life. And some of those avocs can sometimes be in terms of people mentally being afflicted, uh, people physically being afflicted. So the story we're going to be uh, talking about later on uh, was an issue with a woman, which the Bible talks about how um, she was bent over because of an evil spirit. And so that's the nature of the presence of an evil spirit in people. And what struck me also is uh, a friend of mine went to uh, India for mission, and um, she talked about, you know, how the uh, presence of the evil spirits was quite prevalent. And this is one of the things she said in the communication that she sent to me. And she said, what struck me particularly in India was the transparency of the demonic. The oppression is tangible. It's completely in your face. Uh, there is no politics of behavior or cultured manners or material comforts that cover the demonic up, as I feel happens in affluent parts of the world, i.e., for example, in the UK. Uh, the sick and the demon-possessed people would normally squat in churches, uh, sleep and eat there. And she sent me some pictures of actually people squatting around in churches just because they wanted to get uh, freedom from that which was oppressing them um, until they were healed and set free. Uh, that's the kind of urgency and the tangible nature of the kingdom of God working in India. Now, the story that we looked, we're going to be looking at today is the story of a woman, uh, as the Bible says, she was bent over uh, for 18 years. Now, for those of us that have younger brothers or sisters, 
um, 18 years is a long time. Um, it's almost as though, literally for me, it took me 18 years to be able to get into university uh, from being a child, and that's a long time. I imagine standing like this, literally, uh, for the period of 18 years. So not only was the issue inside, but the issue was also very obvious uh, to people around it, and that was the nature uh, of the issue. Um, and I'm just going to read the verse again. I was hoping that this is when Andrew would have read it, but uh, I'll do it very quickly. And so from verse 10, uh, this is Luke 13, verse 10. It says, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus said, uh, saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, do, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 years, be set free on the Sabbath day, sorry, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were emulated, emulated uh, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Now, I think today's message is really geared towards two people. Um, the first person or category of persons um, are people that are looking to set other people free. So in other words, you yourself have experienced the freedom in your own personal life, but you're looking to set other people free. And now the second group of people uh, is people that are actually bound. And what's not so surprising is the fact that actually Christians can also be bound. You know, I know there's a lot of debate as to whether or not Christians can be bound or Christians can be demon-possessed. And I will hope to answer that question in the next 10 minutes uh, that I have left. But that's the two categories of people. So in other words, you're looking to have people free, which should really be all Christians. Uh, because the authority that God has given us, it's not limited to ministers. It's not limited to people that stand behind the pulpit. It's an authority that God has given us to be able to literally set everybody free. And then the second group of people are people that are physically or spiritually or mentally uh, bound. Now, there are th various questions that, you know, this particular passage brings up. Uh, the first question in particular is the fact that, you know, Jesus called this woman uh, daughter of Zion. You know, and I feel it's important to answer this question before I go into the lessons that this uh, story tells us. Uh, just because, you know, uh, in all the miracles that Jesus has done, it doesn't normally refer to people based on their identity. Uh, but what was quite unique about this is the fact that Jesus actually recognized who this woman was. And I think daughter of Zion literally means equivalent to Christian. Um, so there are people that were born Jews. Um, and when it came to the Pharisees, they had a natural descendants of their Abraham's kids. But then Jesus said to them, you know, you're not like your, well, Abraham is not your father because you don't act in the same way that Abraham was acting. And so effectively, when we say daughter of Zion, it's re really, re really referring to people like us. In other words, people that have accepted within their hearts, you know, the sovereignty of Jesus. Now, the second point is the fact that, you know, the Bible talks about how this woman was afflicted for 18 years. Um, the Bible doesn't tell us that she was born with this particular infirmity. It's something that came upon her. At some stage uh, throughout the course of our life, and the question that you know sometimes Christ believers are asking is, you know, does a believer need deliverance? In other words, does a believer need to be set free from demonic oppression? Now, to answer that question, the emphatic answer is a yes. You know that believers do need uh, freedom. Now, the difference is also the fact that you know believers we're not we can't be de demon possessed. So I know, for example, the King James 
translation, and when he talks about this particular scripture uh, or other scripture, he usually uses the word demon possession, which gives the impression that there's an ownership of you know demons and people. But when you look at the translation, really what, what it means is demonized. In other words, under the influence of an evil spirit as opposed to you know the demon actually possessing them or owning them. Um, and then another question which I thought would be relevant to answer is the fact that, you know, what does Sabbath stand for uh, for the Jews? So if we go back to the book of Genesis, you know, when God created uh, heaven and earth, the uh, Bible talks about on the seventh day, uh, he was tired. Sorry, no, he wasn't tired. He rested, excuse me. Um, and that resting is very similar to, you know, let's say you have a child that has been asked to do homework and they've done 100%. At that point in time, there's nothing else they can do, so they rest, quote-unquote. And that's what happened to God the, in the fact that when he created creation, creation was so perfect, there was nothing it could do after the sixth day, and so the Bible says he rested. So he wasn't, he wasn't resting because he was physically tired. He was resting more because he had finished it, so the work was perfect. Um, and when God instituted this uh, ordinance uh, for his people, it was almost as though, not to say that, you know, in six days they'll complete all their work. He's just saying, you know, even though your work is not perfect, for me, being your God, that extra bit that you haven't done, believe in me to be able to get it out for you. And so that's the different images that have been used in this um, illustration, just to clear any questions out. And so there are three lessons which I picked out from uh, this particular scripture, which I thought, you know, it's something that we can learn. Uh, from this particular scripture in terms of helping us to be able to set other people free. Now, the first one um, is the fact that we are not acting alone when it comes to setting other people free. Okay, can I get us to repeat that after me, please? We are not acting alone when it comes to setting other people free. Um, if you could, we can go to verse 12. The Bible says, Jesus saw her and called her forward. Okay, so it's almost as though Jesus was the one speaking on this pulpit and this is a synagogue where people are gathering to hear his message. Jesus actually literally saw this bent-off woman and called her forward. Now, what sometimes happens is when we're faced with very difficult circumstances that have lingered for such a long time, we get tired. You know, and it sometimes presents an image of God as a God that doesn't care. Um, I will give my own personal testimony. So I was uh, born in the church community. I became a Christian when I was 13. And I was very active in church, very active. I encountered God in terms of when I say encountered God, I had a personal revelation of who God was, you know. And because of that, I also had different experiences of God ministering to me personally. So I remember going to school and a lot of people would be saying, oh, there is no God. And for me, that was a bit of a dichotomy or in contradiction just because the day before I felt I had heard God speak to me. And then somebody telling me in school that actually God doesn't exist. And so that was a big issue. Now... I haven't had that experience of hearing God very regularly. It got to a point where I was now trying to rely on impressions for God to lead me. And so I made a lot of wrong choices as a teenager. So, for example, one of the choices I made, wrong choices I made was I applied to about, I think, UCAS, you applied to five or six universities. Um, I got rejected by the top one. But then the next one on the list uh, was Imperial College London. And I said no. Um, because I felt God was leading me to choose the one at the bottom. So literally, whatever my desires was, I would flip it around that, oh, God was leading me in the opposite direction. And that went on for a long time, to the extent that, you know, when it came to my A-level, sub AS-level subject, I did the same mistake where I was good at a particular subject, and then for some reason, I dropped it, went to choose another one, and it got to a point where I felt my life was getting out of order because... I just couldn't enjoy life like everybody else. So I look at other Christians and I think, gosh, these guys are enjoying life, but I just feel as, as though I'm a robot. Uh, robots. And so it got to a point where I thought, you know what? 
I can't do this anymore because I've prayed, I've fasted, I've sought church leadership to help me, but no one could do anything. And so one of the ways in which the Spirit led me out, again, I used in commas, inverted commas, was I left the church that I was at as a teenager, went to another church, and this particular church, it was, um, I'm not going to mention the name of the church, but everything was spiritual. Um, so if you forgot your gas cooker on, it was a demonic uh, influence. And so there was a lot of uh, binding and losing in this church. Not to say that some things are not spiritual in terms of people forgetting it could also be a demonic influence. But in most cases, um, I really didn't think it was. Uh, but there were lots of those kind of um, bizarre encounters in this particular church. And this is me as a 17, 18-year-old uh, Christian getting really frustrated with God. And after a while, I just really got bitter. So I thought, you know, I'm going to leave church, um, do my own thing. And I made some commitments. Okay, when it comes to sex before marriage, I wouldn't touch that. But everything else I'm going to do. Uh, and it got really frustrating because now I was doing it by my own strength. And it, it was very difficult. So fast forward, uh, in my third year of university, um, I studied abroad in, in the U.S. for one year. And uh, throughout that time, it was a bit difficult because I was away from home, away from my f family and friends, away from people that I knew, away from just the comfort that I enjoyed generally. Um, and that was my way of starting to party because I couldn't party in London because in our family, you don't really go clubbing. And so there was all this tension that has been built up and, you know, going to America was like my way of releasing it. Fast forward coming back, um, God used a friend uh, to invite me to a Bible study group uh, led by another friend. And through that, God started to speak to me again. And so my heart started to become softened towards him. And in that, I, I rededicated my life and accepted God once again into my life. And, you know, that's what really started my journey. And so a year before that was, a year after that was when I started coming to CLF. But effectively, one of the questions I asked God was, why didn't you save me all this while? Because I was back into fellowship again. I was enjoying the goodness of God as it were. And I was asking God, why didn't you save me? And the response was, actually, I did try to save you, but you just ignored me. And my mind literally went to all the times that different Christian groups would speak to me about joining their community group, and I will say no. Literally, when I was in America, there were different community groups that would approach me, and some would say, oh, can we do a Bible study together? Do you want to come to our church? And these were very loving people, but I said no. And the reason I'm emphasizing this is sometimes situations can sometimes blind our eyes to what is it God is able to do. Um, especially if you've been praying about something for so long, you feel that actually the onus is on you, uh, to bring about the freedom. There's a particular song which I'm encouraged by, and it was sung by Wanisa Bainan, and it says, Forever Grateful. And I'll just read you, to you some of the lyrics of the song. It says, You did not wait for me to draw nigh to you, but you clothed yourself in frail humanity. You did not wait for me to cry out to you, but you let me know your voice calling me. And it goes on to say, I am forever grateful. I'm forever grateful. And that's the nature of, you know, what God is like. It wasn't this woman saying to Jesus, I want to get well. It was actually Jesus picking up from the crowd to say, actually, you are free uh, from this particular infirmity. Now, I know somebody in the audience would probably say, okay, fair enough, for that. but there are other instances where people actually made an effort to touch Jesus, which is going to bring me to the next point. And the next lesson uh, from this is the fact that we need to act on what God has done for us. Um, and in church, we call this faith. So this is more like our response uh, to what God is doing. And so when God has acted on our behalf, in Genesis, we see how God um, made clothes for Adam and Eve, and he clothed them with some of his skin. And that was a way of God taking initiative. When you read the story of the children of Israel, time and time again, the Bible talks about how God sent Moses ahead of them. He sent Joseph ahead of them to do something for them. But now this flip side to this is the fact that we also have to respond uh, to what God has done. And so in verse 12 to 13, it says, And Jesus said to her, 
woman, you are set free uh, from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Now, this element of faith is like me calling someone that is crippled and say, you know, stand up, you can walk. Now, there's going to be a lot of skeptics in the room, and there are lots of people that I believe in, but that's the kind of faith that Jesus demonstrated. He put his faith on the line by saying to this woman, actually, why didn't you stand up and walk? Now, I'm going to read the second story uh, from my friend as well. And when it comes to setting ourselves free or setting other people free, sometimes it might take a long time. So while some people will just say, you know, devil, I command you to go in Jesus' name and the edict would be well, for some people you have to say it again and again. And there's the story that, you know, Pastor Joe said to us when he was casting out a demon from someone and it almost took like the, from, it went from dusk to dawn and they were trying to cast this demon out, trying to cast this demon out. And eventually one of the things he said to the person was, actually, do you want to give your life to Christ? And I think the person must have said yes. And that's how the person became free. And the whole point of this aspect is the fact that when it comes to setting ourselves free or setting other people free, um, faith is required. And there's an aspect in which we have to also respond to what God has done. And then the final lesson, uh, which has to do with the Pharisees, is the fact that, you know, um, we should be aware of our own hypocrisy, hypocrisy uh, that might keep us from experiencing God's freedom. I'm going to close here, but the essence of this uh, is just to say that, you know, uh, if we're willing to spend money uh, getting education in this world, and I believe in good education, I have friends that have, you know, paid about 100,000 pounds to be able to go to a good university to get an MBA degree because they want to be on the top of their game. But when it comes to spiritual things as well, we should be willing to create, or shall I say, invest such an amount as well when it comes to setting ourselves free and setting other people free. All right, so I'm going to leave you right there. I know I've said a lot of things, but, you know, I encourage you to uh, listen to the recordings afterwards. Amen. Thank you. Wasn't that awesome? Make sure, make sure you remember those three things that he mentioned. Uh, maybe towards the end of the service, I might ask you to, to, to tell me what they are. Okay, so um, the next person I'm going to invite up, you know,